Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode 44, recorded Friday the 15th of April, 2022. And today I've got a preview of our upcoming Tide Collar novella, which I should say is the real preview. More on that in a bit. So I say this is the real preview because I actually already did a preview of this uh, during QuarantCon 2022, which was awesome, and I did a lot of things. Um, I think I mentioned that in the last podcast, but uh, if you don't know about QuarantCon, the cool thing is it's free to everyone. There is a ton of awesome content, more every year, uh, and all of it is archived on YouTube. So there is a link to that in the show notes. I did a workshop and moderated a panel and was on another panel. And I did a reading of my upcoming Tidecaller novella featuring Gaxna, uh, which is what I've been working on the last week or two. And it was in an earlier stage when I read it. And here's the interesting thing. I thought that the beginning would be close enough to the real thing that it would be fine to just read it, even though I didn't even have the ending written when I read it, let alone have it revised or whatever. And then... Literally in the middle of reading it, <laughs> and it happens live, so whatever happens is archived. Uh, I got to a point in that first section where I was like, ah, yeah, this is going on a little too long, isn't it? <laughs> and I kept reading, but some little part of my brain detached and started saying, hmm, how should I revise this? And I started revising it and like wanting to cut the actual sentences I was saying at the time. So as soon as I was done, I didn't say anything. I hopefully didn't let on too much, but uh, as soon as I was done, I went back and cut those pieces and moved them around. So um, that's why I would call this one the actual preview or the real preview, because uh, it's in draft two format now. I do think the beginning is only going to get minor word tweaks, if anything. So in my humble opinion, this will have a little bit better pacing than the one that I read at the con that lots of people watched and probably more people will watch in the future than listen to my humble podcast, but you're getting the real one. <laughs> so um, I'm going to read that for you, just the beginning of it. Once it's done, I am going to have the full audiobook available free for y'all. Since you're cool for listening to this, I'm going to charge everybody else, uh, either in monies or informations. But for you, it will be free if you contact me. So I'll figure out how to do that once it's done. Um, but for now, here is the first section of it. And afterwards, I'll uh, have a little update for you on how this novella is going and also the revisions on the main novel that it's coming out alongside, Rebel of Riddle and Woe. But here is the as-yet-untitled, <laughs> hate titles, gotta come up with a title for this, uh, Gaxna novella set in the Tidecaller universe. I wake with my blood pounding and my face stuck to something rough. Sit up and suck in a breath. The roof. I'm on the roof, in the hazy light on pale brick, and the shouts of vendors in the street below tell me it's almost morning. Instinct takes over, trained into me from years living under the witches. I roll to my feet, looking for enemies, scanning for escape routes, patting my body for tools. They're all there. Thief's rope, poison bracelet, pair of knives, extra wig, herb packets. I see no enemies, and after a moment, I recognize the place. Orange glazed ceramic roof tiles butting up to a wall with bricked-in windows, view of the bay off the far edge. This is my current hideout, or 
the roof of it, anyway. What in scabs am I doing sleeping on the roof? I take a ragged breath, heart still pounding, trying to clear my thoughts. I should be downstairs, passed out for another four hours. It's morning. I hate morning. Nightmares again? Maybe, but it's been months, and they never made me sleepwalk up to the roof. I run a hand through the stubble on my scalp, absently adjusting the straps over my chest. I'm okay, I whisper, like a torch against the icy fear climbing inside. My heart is beating, my lungs are working, my mind is here and now. I'm okay. That's the mantra they taught me at the farm after I escaped the witches. The mantra that's kept me sane the last three years. The mantra that made me strong enough to come back here. I take another breath, say the mantra again, focus on what's true. I am not in the witches' guild. They haven't contacted me in years, haven't tried to possess me since I escaped. This could have been something else. Still, an icy serpent of fear snakes down my spine to coil in my belly, whispering, No, there's nothing else it could be. You're not safe. You've never been safe. You need to run. That makes me think of Awena, the rail-thin girl I snuck out of the guildhouse three nights back, sleeping in the hideout downstairs. The serpent tightens its coils. Did they come and take her? Is that what this is about? But when I climb down, I find her safe and unhurt, though she sits awake in the muggy pre-dawn, eyes wide and watching. It's just me, I say, holding up a hand as I climb in. Just Gaxna. You're safe. Funny how I can pull myself together when it's for someone else. Where did you go? Her voice is calm, almost deadpan. But that's one of the ways girls react to the witch's training. Astresia was like that for a while. I don't know, I tell her. I should hide it, but this is one of the rules I made with myself when I started rescuing the novices that want to get free. I wouldn't lie to them. They've been lied to enough already, are usually totally confused by all the rot the witches tell them. Time on the farm is what they need, but I can at least stop the lies. That, and I need the honesty just as much as they do. I sit down on one of the crates scattered across the cramped room. This is a lonely life, and I wouldn't make it if I didn't have someone to talk to. Deep down, I know I'm just pretending they're Astresia. Astresia, with her soft voice and silky hair, and the way she would trail her fingers down my back while we talked. She's the only one I've ever known who could calm me down. Until she chose the witches over me, anyway. I pull out a clove twist and light it off the candle, leaves crackling as I pull smoke. Now I just have my runaways. Not the same, but there's an honesty to it. Like two travelers sharing an inn. No obligations, no consequences, no reason not to be totally ourselves. It was the guild, she says quietly, certainty in her voice. We don't know that, I say, as much to my own fear as her. Do you have any abrasions? I look at my hands, see the patches of raw flesh along the palms. I think I saw this on the roof and just made myself forget it. I'm good at that. But these are classic possession scrapes. Not even the senior witches have perfect control over a body. You get cuts and bruises. I do. She just nods, one survivor to another. She probably still has them on her own palms. Do you remember anything? I try, but not very hard. Memories are one of the places I can't fight fear. One of the things the farm couldn't help with. The mistress said they would get weaker with time, that what I did now would replace what happened back then. I'm still working on that. 
still waiting for Astresia and the witches to go away. Flashes, I say, and pull on the twist again. A mansion in old Saray, a guard fighting me, and I jerk my thoughts back to the here and now, pull on the clove twist. You were a bloodseeker, right? Oina asks in that too calm voice. Training for it, I never actually went out on a mission, or not on my own. You went possessed. It's not a question. Oena knows. I haven't asked her what happened to her in the guild, but I'm sure she was possessed too. Everyone is. It's part of learning to trust, they told us. Part of accepting your place in the sisterhood. Part of getting your hands so bloody you can't leave, they mean. A few times, I say. These memories, at least, I've been over so many times that they don't hurt the same way. Errands, mostly. Then the last time, they made me meet a monk, pretend I was someone else, keep him distracted while their archer lined up a shot. Owena's face is blank. She's old before her time, like all the girls I rescue. Did he die? No, I say, voice getting thick despite myself. I pull hard at the twist, embers glowing in the half-light. The monk realized what they were doing, dodged. It punctured his lung, maybe a pulmonary artery. They made me chase him, track him to a fountain and push him under. He was weak enough by then. An emotion moves across her face, her cheekbones casting shadows in the reddening light. You killed him. I laugh out smoke. You get it, at least. A street. The others. They said it wasn't me. That I was just a tool. That I needed to trust in the guild's wisdom. That it would be okay. It's not okay, Owena says quietly. It's never okay. The hopelessness in her voice is like a lifeline, pulling me back in. I know that's twisted, but maybe that's why I stay here, rescuing runaways. To pull myself together. To give me purpose. New memories to bury the old. I take her hand. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but you're free now. And whatever happened back there, you can make a new life. I did. They don't control who you are. That's your choice. She just nods, but I can tell my words don't do much. That's okay. That's the farm's job. I just have to get her there. So what are you going to do now, she asks, eyes still on the floor. Find who did it, I say simply. It all seems so clear now, when I have to tell someone else. And make sure they never do it again. Owena sucks in her breath. Even if it's one of the sisters? They have your blood. They'll kill you. Better that than this, I growl, feeling the determination rise in me as I do. I'm not living like this. I decided that 17 months ago, when I first escaped the guildhouse. And I guess I always knew they wouldn't just let me go. So yeah, going after them might get me killed but better that than live in fear. All right, so that is the currently real <laughs> preview of the opening of that novella in which we learn a lot more about Gaxna and some of the stuff that was going on in Saray before Daughter of Flood and Fury. Um, it's been a ton of fun to write. I am finding out that I adore writing novellas. There's just something bite-sized about them like I can hold the beginning and the middle in my mind as I'm writing the end and kind of tie it all together easier than working with these massive ungainly novels that I write. Um, so I'll admit the revision of this has been a lot more fun than the revision of Rebel of Riddle and Woe. Draft two of the novella is pretty much done. I'm going to finish it today, I think, after which time I will want beta readers. So if you're interested in reading an early version of it and giving me a little feedback and maybe uh, writing a review of it when it comes out, 
that would be awesome. Send me an email. There'll be a link to do that in the show notes. It won't be an audio. It'll only be an ebook, but I'll have audio for you once it's done. And as I mentioned, the revision of the overall novel is in progress too. It's much more of a bear than revising this novella. So it's going slower, but I do hope to have that done by next month. And that will have a full audiobook as well. That one won't be free because I do need to make a living at this. <laughs> but hopefully it will be as awesome or more awesome. With that real preview, I'm going to get back to revising this novella uh, so I can get it out to you. I hope you enjoyed it and otherwise that this podcast finds you well and in the company of good books. Till next time, my friends, read on. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com or for a free audiobook only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com slash free. Thanks for listening and read on.